0: If you've got a limited budget, just create one ad. Like, don't worry about creating multiple ads. And, all. like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, try something else.
1: Well, Anna Harak, if you had to pick a slogan uh, for good experimentation in uh, Facebook ads, you could probably do worse than that one from our guest this week, John Loomer.
2: Yeah, it really can be that straightforward. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So there's so much advice that John gives us today on how to test what works, how to see what doesn't. And really, at the end of the day, you just got to go with it and test it and see what works.
1: We touch also in this episode of Social Pros on Facebook's uh, conversion to Meta. Uh, John has been running uh, advanced Facebook advertising communities for a decade. Uh, and so he has an amazing background and a history in how Facebook advertising works today and how it's worked in the past and how it's going to work better in the future. If you've spent even a penny, on Facebook ads in your life or want to do so, this is the episode for you of Social Pros with John Loomer from John Loomer Digital. Before we get to this week's episode with John, make sure you take time at the conclusion of this episode to download and consume the new state of marketing report from our friends at Salesforce. In this research, they surveyed some 8,000 marketers across 37 countries to determine all kinds of insights It's about how marketing works today. Now, this research was done uh, towards the end of the pandemic. So it's really fresh, really relevant. For example, 72% of marketers say that customer expectations have gone up during the pandemic. One of their expectations is for ads that are relevant and actually interesting, which certainly makes sense in the context of today's episode. We're delighted that you're here. I'm Jay Bear from Convince & Convert. She's Anna Harak from Convince & Convert. Adam from Salesforce is off this week. We'll be back again soon. Thanks again for being here. You're going to love John Loomer, Here he comes. He has literally forgotten more about Facebook advertising than Mark Zuckerberg even knows. He is the legendary Facebook ads expert at John Loomer Digital. It is the one, the only, also a hell of a baseball coach It Mr. John Loomer joining us on Social Pros.
0: John, welcome. Oh my god. <laughs> uh thank you Jay. Thanks for having me man. appreciate it.
1: I think I'll that's actually to you. I think that's actually true. If we if we quizzed Zuck himself on advanced Facebook advertising, I'm certain that you know more uh than than he does. Uh as we're recording this, it's it's uh we're in the shadow of the big switch to Meta yeah. uh from Facebook to to Meta. Um I don't think it's ridiculous. A lot of people are kind of poking fun at it, but I don't think it's any different than than Google um, switching to Alphabet and saying, "Hey, we've got bigger aspirations than um, maybe what this um, legacy app may be." So I don't, I don't think it's you know insane or anything. What's your take?
0: I think it's along those same lines as Google Alphabet. It's a little deeper than that, though. I mean, first of all, the obvious. Uh, I think we'd be crazy just to not be a little cynical uh, that the timing of this is to try to distance themselves from some of, I mean, look, there's always scrutiny and controversy around Facebook, I feel like, uh, but seems like, especially these days. Um, so I think there's some rebranding happening there, but you know, you listen to Facebook, I mean, they're making a bet. Like if, if this metaverse thing doesn't happen and it just, crumbles and blows away then this was a silly mistake uh because the metaverse really isn't much of a thing right now and and that's what they're they're betting on is that yeah. the future of the internet and whatever that is uh is AR VR kind of stuff uh so that's that's the big news i think for us as yeah. as marketers and users is like we got to see how we fit in that world, whether it's this year, next year, ten years—I don't, yeah. I don't really know, know, you know what the time frame is, but that's—I think that's the biggest news here.
1: I'm not sure they know either, but you're right. They—I appreciate the courage of their convictions, uh, <laughs> no question about that. To me, one of the shortcomings of the metaverse is the uh, massive inability of anybody to describe the metaverse um, in, <laughs> in any sort of coherent fashion, which seems to undercut its uh, awesomeness at least for now. But uh, I've been wrong in the past; I will no doubt be uh, wrong in the future. Anna, what do you think?
2: I think we should just take a quick second to really appreciate the meme worthiness of it. Although, Jay, I know you mentioned that a lot of people are making fun of it. Maybe it's not necessarily justified, but we are, as of right now, less than 24 hours out from the big announcement. And I don't think I've seen memes explode this quickly. And I can't even remember the last time, maybe the Airbnb logo switch. I'm not sure. John, I would love your take on your favorite one so far.
0: Oh no, I don't. I don't have any favorites at this point. No, I, honestly, like the whole metaverse thing. I think the best way to describe it is like this is what Second Life was supposed to be, right? You know, sure. You know, Second Second Life was ahead of its time. You know, ultimately, and uh, it's basically you know immersing ourselves in this other experience, but for more of our lives. I like can. I think the way Facebook or Meta. Is try to pitch it is like instead of being stuck in your phone all day they're replacing that even like you're not going to be running around with your phone all the time as like, displays and things like that yep but it's gonna be weird i like i still can't visualize it like so everything's gonna be virtual like i I still want to have some real world experiences. Uh I don't John
1: know. John Loomer is gonna be the best baseball coach in the metaverse. Um, start now. I, I'm gonna be a Hall of Fame up. player. I'm gonna be a Hall yes. of Fame player in the metaverse. There you man. go. What are you talking about? There you go. Yeah. Yep, you'll be able to buy enough uh, digital training uh chits or something in the metaverse to to make yourself a 50-50 guy. I feel that's gonna happen down the road.
0: Bunch of upgrades. I'll be I'll be buying them up. Yep.
1: Tell uh, the friends of the Social Pros Podcast a little bit about uh, John Loomer Digital and the work that you do.
0: So I just hit my 10-year anniversary of the business. Um, The the focus is on advanced Facebook advertising. So if you come to johnloomer.com, that is the focus, that that you're not a beginner necessarily. You're trying to stay sharp, stay ahead. It's all about tutorials, strategies. Um, We're not trying to, you know, uh, uh, get around the system. Uh, we're not trying to break rules, anything like that with Facebook. It's all about doing it ethically and um, doing it the right way. I mean, that's that's my goal is to help advance Facebook advertisers get to the next level.
1: Uh, obviously, Facebook advertising has changed a lot in a decade. Yeah. How did you how did you go down that road? How did you uh, in 2012, 2011 say, you know what I should do? And I should build a, a, an organization that brings together uh, advanced Facebook advertising best practices. That seems
0: like a somewhat of a random concept for a company. It was never really my plan. So um, my first exposure to Facebook was in 2007 while I worked for the NBA, and we partnered with Facebook while it was the Facebook, and there were 50 million people on the platform. And we we had we partnered with them to build an app for us. Before you could create an app, I was the first admin of the, the first official NBA Facebook group before there was a page. So basically, I had a comfort level with the platform uh, from a marketing perspective. And then um, I left the NBA after three seasons. Uh, got laid off twice within two and a half years after that. And then it was a matter of, uh, what am I gonna do? So I started a website, uh, didn't really know what I was gonna do with that. I was basically just using it as a virtual like resume to say, hey, these are, these are the things I know how to do. And then I started using ads to promote myself. And then that led to like, well, this is how I'm promoting myself. And then this is, that just grew and grew and grew from there. But yeah, I mean, the what's crazy about how it's changed, like I I had no money. Uh, I had been laid off twice. Um, I was uh, the breadwinner of the house. I was spending a dollar a day to promote myself, and you could actually make an impact ten years ago spending a dollar a day uh, running ads. It would be difficult these days, uh, to, to say the least. But uh, so I've I've had a long, deep history, I guess, with with the platform.
1: I should mention uh, for Social Pros listeners that John is not a consultant or an agency. So you might be thinking, man, I'd like to be better at advanced Facebook ads. Who wouldn't? Uh, I should hire John Loomer. And sadly, John is not hireable. Uh, but however, he does have a whole consortium of opportunities. Uh, the Power Hitters Club, Power Hitters Club Advanced, there's a monthly fee-based community of like-minded uh, social media professionals where John helps you get better at these things. So it's sort of a, a, a do-it-with-you kind of a program. Did I describe that actually? Currently, John?
0: Yeah, so it's Power Headers Club, Power Headers Club Elite. So um, we have a community, private community for each of those individual groups. I hold uh, weekly strategy sessions, uh, weekly webinar, keep everybody up to date on what's happening. Um, we we do trainings that they have access to all the training I've ever done before. I do one-on-ones. So we can do, you know, 45 minute sessions uh, with people, especially members, they get a big discount yeah that's that's what it's all about I'm trying to I'm on the volume volume game helping as many people as I can
1: one of the things that you've been saying for nearly a decade about Facebook ads that I think is absolutely spot on and doesn't get talked about enough is is having specific ads and campaigns tied to specific parts of the funnel, right? That that what you're trying to do top funnel is different than what you're trying to do mid funnel. It's different when you're trying to do low funnel and in building out separate campaigns accordingly. Can you talk a little bit about that philosophy and maybe why so many companies don't adhere to it?
0: Yeah, and first of all, every business is is different. Um, but that said, like my, my business is built around content. So uh, the funnel works in that people read my website, they gain an appreciation or uh, some some trust in me that I know what I'm talking about from, from reading my blog posts. They subscribe to something and then they buy. I don't see it as a quick, I'm just selling, 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 selling. I'm going to hide everything behind the paywall and then hopefully I'll convince you to buy something. So I'm running a campaign kind of top of the funnel uh, to drive traffic to my website. I'm running a campaign middle of the funnel to get those people who have visited my website to subscribe to something and then running a campaign to sell something. And that's usually the the least amount of money I'm spending is on selling something. And oftentimes what I'm doing, because, and and look, everyone does it differently and all all that. I also don't want people who are brand new to me buying uh, without knowing what they're getting into. So there's a, there's a part of administrative side of that too is like, I don't want refunds. I don't want people complaining about what they're getting. Who didn't know what I was like or what my style was all about. People wanted to game the system, all that kind of stuff. So I have all three of those running at all times, typically, because um, that that's, I've found too that my email list is really important. The constant flow of traffic is really important uh, to the life of my business
1: certainly things have changed a lot and the level of complexity within Facebook has gone up geometrically, I would say in the last 10 years, not only on the Facebook platform itself, but now you've got all the sister platforms, WhatsApp and Instagram and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and now in meta, perhaps that will go even uh, even further. At this point, John, when you think about the success path for these kind of programs, is it is it more important to be good at Targeting more important to be good at budgeting or more important to be good at creative?
0: Well, targeting has always been important. Uh, it's a little less important depending on your industry these days, because of how good Facebook Facebook can be at optimization and showing your ads to the right people. That said, I think there's still a great skill and the micro-targeting side of it. Like you can have you can have both the the broad targeting uh, running while you're also doing some micro targeting that's showing ads to some a very specific group of people or excluding a very specific group of people. I mean, I think there's something to be said about making sure you're not wasting money as well. Um, there's there's something to be said about with that the targeting side of it. Um, look, and the creative side is, I think you've got to stand out you've got to stand out in some way. So how is it you stand out? Is it because of the creative is it because of the messaging is it because of who, whom you're targeting and they weren't expecting to see it. And they're like, wow, this is really cool. Um, I I would say that that's more important. Now the creative side of it is more important now than it was 10 years ago. It's like, all you had to be was competent. So I I my own ad creation. Like I'm really good at the pulling the levers and like telling you like what all the, the various, uh, uh, strategies are like how to reach people and what how everything works. I'm I'm a terrible salesman. I will be the first to tell you. So if, if in terms of copy to convince you to buy my crap, uh, not, probably not the best. So so standing out these days is much harder for me than it was a decade ago, where you just had to be competent and know what you were doing. So uh competition has gone up and there's there's more ads for more ads per screen, the number of ad insertions has
1: gone up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You talked about micro-targeting. Uh, and I'd love for you to elaborate that a little bit because you know, most of our audience of social pros understands kind of big broad campaigns um in, in Facebook. But for example, um you were talking the other day on your blog about building a custom event um, for YouTube videos watched, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're only then going to serve up Facebook ads to people who have watched a certain amount of a YouTube video. And I'm like, darn, why am I not doing that for my speaking business, right? So if somebody watches right. my trailer, um, which is Jay can give a great keynote, why am I not then serving them Facebook ads specifically to that small group of people? And and, and the opportunities there are, are nearly limitless. Uh, talk a little bit about the power of, of micro-targeting and kind of maybe where to start with that idea.
0: Well, compared to your email marketing, I mean, do you just blast everybody the same messages all the time? Or do you have specific messages for specific people, knowing that's gonna be more effective to them? Um, so like if they have opted into this free thing, if you've got this paid thing that's closely tied to that, you're obviously going to send them through this campaign to say, okay, you you saw this free thing now, sign up for this paid thing. It's a similar concept. If you viewed a particular video, read a particular blog post on your website that's related to a certain topic, and you've got a, a product that's tied to that, let's target those specific people. Um, and, and something I'm doing right now, I, I love doing experiments, and it's just a matter of like, okay, how, how can I use ads as a, as a way to reward a, a, a loyal audience as well as this incentivize additional engagement? People keep... You know, reading my website. So I've created uh, uh, custom audiences based on the number of pages people have viewed of my site. So what I'm doing is I'm creating uh, unique content, exclusive content that can only be found in the ads. I'm using reach campaigns because I, I don't want to optimize for anything. I, I want to make sure I reach as many of these people as possible. And I'm I'm kind of escalating the amount of engagement you need to have with me in order to see each lesson so i started with okay you need to watch at least or view at least two pages of my website to see this first ad this first lesson you need three three four five six i'm up to six right now six pages of my site over the last 180 days and part of the experiment is also just to see how far facebook will let me go before they say too small can't show these anymore Uh, i also want to see how how engaged people are going to be you know what the reaction is from from everybody else uh, who, who's viewing these these ads because these are my my lo- most loyal people the crazies like I even have an ad out there is just sitting there waiting for people it's like if you view twenty pages of my website or more over the last seven days you see this one ad and and it it should kind of startle people who see it because it's like like what are you doing why are you looking at twenty pages of my website that that kind of thing uh, but I think there's some power in that. Uh, especially for this community, right? For a non Facebook advertiser, that would seem creepy, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, but if you're that, into it, you're like, wow, this is great. Yeah, because this is the kind of because that's not the whole point of like, let's not try to creep people out. It's a matter of helping you understand, you know, how can I target people that can that can best serve my audience to give them the, the type of content that they want.
2: I love that you just brought up experimentation and a real life example of something that you're doing today, because you had recently said that the most important characteristic of a successful Facebook advertiser is the willingness to experiment, which 100% agree. But based on what you're seeing today, what is really holding people back from doing that far of an experiment or really going in as far as they can with with Facebook experimentation? Is it, is it lack of budget? Is it just lack of you know, time to really optimize these things and dig into the data? Is it just that it feels entirely overwhelming? What are you seeing right now in terms of where everybody's at with experimentation?
0: I think it's uh, partially a lack of confidence in what they're doing. I mean, the question first of all, is always like, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I optimize for this? Should I optimize for that? Should I target this big audience? Should I target this small audience? Like, instead of asking those questions, we should be trying those things. And because whatever worked for me won't necessarily work for you. I mean, I say that all the time because it's absolutely true. Like the industry, the built-in audience I have, like all these things are going to be different the interest that you can target, all that's gonna be different. So you need to try it. Um, I think it's also a matter of expectations. So if you have a client who expects immediate results, no matter what the built-in audience is, no matter what uh, the, the brand awareness is, no matter how much traffic they get to the website, how big their email list is, and you just gotta hit the ground running and give them results, then you put pressure on yourself that, like, I can't experiment. I've got to know exactly what to do right now to give them the results that they're expecting. And that's partially the mistake of the advertiser.
2: Well, I think you bring up a good point. And this is something that you talk about a lot, that that a lot of times your answer is it depends. And that's because it really does to your point, depend on the situation. It depends on the budget, depends on the audience. It depends on your goals. It depends on the funnel. So how can we, as, as advertisers, really start to set better expectations with the it depends answer when you know maybe our clients really want that definitive answer? So what is what are some ways we can help set those expectations that it depends is an answer, even though it feels like a non-answer?
0: Well, first of all, um, be picky about your clients. Um, don't go into it, promising the world, especially understanding, like if they've got a high mountain to climb to give them really good results, like make sure that there are reasonable expectations from the start. Um, also understand that it is your client that is setting you up for success or failure and putting you into a good or bad position. Because if you've got a brand new business with a crappy website, and a terrible product that nobody wants, you're not gonna get them any results. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you've got a client that has an amazing website, everybody loves the brand, they get a ton of traffic, huge email list, they've already got a big Facebook following, you could be the worst advertiser in the world and you'd still get them some results. So it's a matter of pick, picking and choosing, You know, I know that's easier said than done sometimes, being honest with them, knowing that part of your responsibility is educating them Helping and helping them understand what is success, what it looks like, what the time frame is, um, basics of what you're doing without boring them. Like the other thing is like, don't give them too much power where they need to see like they decide what all the success metrics are. You kind of have to to lead them down that path to help them understand what it is you're trying to accomplish and how long it's going to take. So it's all about expectations as well.
1: One of the things I think is challenging for people, John, is that the optimization alternatives are nearly limitless, right? It's not mm-hmm. like email, for example, right? You can test time of day, day of week, from line, subject line, link structure, layout, and that's kind of the list, right? There's like a like about a six or seven email testing sequence, and then you kind of go back to the beginning and start over. There, there's not really more than that. Facebook, there's like uh, hundreds, if not more, and I think that can paralyze people a little bit. It's almost mm-hmm. like a paradox of choice. So when you're working with um, with somebody who may be new to advanced Facebook ads, what are what are one of the first couple kind of optimization opportunities that you say, all right, for sure you should start here?
0: Well, so first of all, yes. Uh, and my, I, I did a blog post about the, the experimentation. It's like an experimentation guide. Like, What are the things that you can pull levers on? Yeah, we'll link there it up in eight, the show
1: notes at uh, socialprospodcast.com.
0: Yeah, so there are basically 18 groups of these levers, which within each one, there's just limitless possibilities. Uh, but the main thing to remember is, first of all, if, if you're kind of just getting going, you can create a campaign with without barely changing anything. And keeping it really simple, use Facebook defaults. Like you don't have to worry about, uh, and Facebook asks you like, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Okay, what's my goal? Is it conversions? Is it traffic? Is it leads? Like, so you decide that upfront. And then uh, it's a matter of the optimization side of it. It will automatically optimize based on what you're trying to accomplish. Don't worry about that. So basically I would start very simple with everything, leave it on the defaults, Uh, as far as the ad and whatnot, like what I always say, like, if you've got a limited budget, just create one ad, like, don't worry about creating multiple ads and all Like if it works, it works. If it doesn't try something else. So, but you've got to be mindful of generating meaningful results. So when it comes to budget, um, so yes, you you can, you can fall down this rabbit hole of feeling like you've got to test everything. But if you test everything and, and just water down all of your results, you got nothing. Nothing's going to mean anything. So I try to test like one or two things at a time. And I think audience is usually a good thing to test because the complexity of audience is like we can have, if you create an ad set that has look like audiences and interests in it and stuff like that, and then it doesn't work. What what was the it was it because the yeah, audience which, which or component didn't work? Yeah. Which component of it didn't work. Correct. So I'll I'll tell you like split that up, right? Create one ad set that's just for a lookalike audience, one ad set that's for a group of interests, see how that rolls. I mean, the problem with look-like audiences you you can you can create a look-like audience audience out of a whole bunch of things. So do you combine them all? Do you, do you go separately? Once again kind of take that one step at a time. I mean, I think that that's the easiest place to start without being, like, you don't have to be ultra advanced. It's really when you start getting into the optimization, it gets a little tricky. Like, you have to remember, you need to be able to generate some volume. So if you're going to optimize for conversion, can you get 50 of these per per week? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the range that we're shooting for, for Facebook to exit the learning phase, And to properly optimize, if you can't get 25 to 50 of those per week, don't even bother try it, it, whether it be increasing budget, optimizing for a different action further up the funnel, you know, do that but that's kind of the rule of thumb too. when you start slicing and dicing this is like, just make sure that you can actually get some results out of it.
2: I think one of the most fascinating things that I read in that same article that Jay just mentioned that we'll link in the show notes is how you give so many different ways to experiment with different optimizations and different options. But the one thing that you have never found success in is day parting. And I found that really, truly Mm -hmm. fascinating because even as Jay had just mentioned with email, that's something that's still really standard. Obviously the traditional media buying, that's still a really big, you know, determinant of success, but Talk through how you have tried pretty much, as you had mentioned in your article, every possible way to optimize day parting and have just never really found success, which I just found super fascinating.
0: Yeah, day parting, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with this, it, because it's kind of a buried feature, but it's been around forever. It's only available if you do lifetime budgeting and you can basically schedule what times of day and what days of the week your ads will, will be shown. So it, it will only be shown then so it's like oh I know it doesn't work on Tuesdays so it's going to skip Tuesdays or I only want to show when my audience is online so we're going to go 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. or something like that Um, and it sounds reasonable Um, now I think that the danger of it is the first time I was exposed to the danger of it is like assuming oh I'm only going to show ads when my audience is online because the reality is if some of your audience is on at a time that has no competition, probably a good time to show it to them uh, because it's going to cost less to to reach them as long as they're not stumbling home drunk from, you know, at 2am, you know, from a bar or something. But, uh, uh, so I I did an experiment, um, where I kind of dug into my stats for like six months of, and under the same objective say, okay, well, what are the particular days of the week what are the specific times of day when I'm most likely to get the best results and I averaged that out and said okay well it's only gonna I think I end up settling on like eight uh eight times um it's like that that's what I'm going to use for for day parting and lo and behold I got worse results as a result of day parting which Kind of doesn't make sense, but it, you're also forcing Facebook to run ads during only those times. And that's not really the way Facebook is expecting to show your ads. They're like, we're going we're gonna to give you the best results or the most results for the, the, the lowest cost, whether it's showing it at two in the afternoon or two in the morning, um, whenever we think you, we can we can get that for you. So you're kind of control, trying to control it, which a lot of times backfires. So what I see day party. Uh, the, the benefit of it as is not so much gaming the system to get better, uh, cheaper results. But like if if you're sending people to make a phone call or send a message, talk to a salesperson or whatever, and you only have people available during certain times, that's what makes the most sense for day party. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You don't want to be having a call to action that you can't actually
1: follow up on. Uh, that's a not only a waste of money but also a pretty poor customer uh, experience in in many cases. All this talk about audience, John, makes me want to ask you about uh, iOS 14 and the changes mm. that Apple are making to how they. Um, allow or encourage uh, different apps to to track and collect data that then makes ads better uh, obviously this is something that i'm sure you've spent some time um thinking about where does this end up does this does this have a material impact on your ability to be successful with facebook or is it much do about nothing or is it circumstantial based on the type of business that you are
0: first of all it's going to impact different businesses different ways uh so if you've got there's, there's kind of a uh, it must be surprising to you uh, if you dig into your Google analytics, I found that 8% of my total traffic comes from an iOS device. So I find to be really low. Now, part of that is, I think a lot of it is what we're doing right now. Desktop is not impacted. Right. So if you're an office person, uh, you're more likely to be reading my stuff from a desktop than, than from a mobile device. So that, that's for like understanding how much it could impact you first of all because there are a lot of people are like blaming their bad results on iOS and they may not be getting a ton of iOS traffic anyway. So it may not really impact you. So that's that's the first thing. But so understand that what's happening is people get a prompt. Um certain apps are going to surface this prompt, not all apps. They have to decide do do I want to continue to collect device identifiers or not? Is it important to me? Facebook has decided it's important. They they can continue to collect that for attribution and whatever uh so they're they're surfacing that prompt do you want to be tracked across devices and websites if they say no then they fall under facebook's aggregated event measurement protocol so a couple things happen first of all when they're on their that ios device and on your website they're they're no longer you're no longer be able to create website custom audiences for that behavior or app engagement custom audiences if they're on your app. Um, so that that will impact your targeting or impact your exclusion uh, possibilities as well. But it also aggregate event measurement. Uh, the way that works is like, so someone who has opted out of tracking, sees or clicks your ad, goes to your website, uh, performs some events. It's not the Facebook won't get anything. They'll get something. Uh, it's going to be aggregated, it's going to be delayed. Uh, and they're you're only going to receive your highest ranking event during that session. So it you have to rank your events as well, which I think probably most of the audience has, has done at this point, one through eight. And if they performed your second ranking event and nothing above that, then that will be reported. So it's not as complete. Um, that said. This, the state of this uh, you know in April compared to the state of it now, it seems to be Facebook is trying to fill in the blanks because basically what they're doing is uh they're, they're doing modeling to better understand how many conversions are actually happening, even if they're not getting the full picture uh, from from Apple. So the modeling they they've also included the one day view through conversion as part of the default now whereas they had scrapped it at the start of this whole madness it was 28 day click one day view that, that's the to me that's the biggest change that yeah. i think a lot of people are missing is that if you, if your product typically took more than a week to to finish the the sell the sale after that first click um, facebook was reporting it before before it was January 18th, I think, now you don't get that, that's just lost data. And I think anyone who's like selling real estate, selling anything more expensive, they're really struggling to connect you know, their efforts to Facebook ads. Uh, but that's also another thing about setting expectations and making sure like clients understand that. It's like, yes, look, we in the back end, we know these p- purchases are happening. We're using these other methods to track, they're coming from Facebook. I using I'm using URL parameters, I'm doing whatever. So if they are happening. Facebook's not reporting them. This is why. And so that's that's been part of the challenge.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the iOS percentage. I think for convince and convert, last time I looked, it was six percent, something like that. So, wow. so again, it's it's not um,
0: you know, it's not that, that's that's barely you're barely gonna see that's that's just even noticing? a barrel, a barrel blip. Yeah, focus well, on how much. And how many of those people opt out? Right. It's just right. like just being iOS isn't the end of the world. Like if they might opt in, you know. So yeah, I think the the bigger implication,
1: just looking at a pan digital perspective, is is the um, lack of email attribution information is actually char- more challenging for marketers than um, than the um, ad tracking information. At least at least for now, we'll see uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, you mentioned at one point, John. Um, uh, CTAs and calls to action, and making sure that if you're going to do day parting, that the CTA is appropriate, etc. Do I take that to to mean I don't want to put words in your mouth that you're in favor of always having a call to action?
0: Uh, you know, using Facebook's technology in all of your Facebook ads. You talking about the call to action button? Yes. Yeah. It, that, honestly, the jury's still out on that one uh, because basically you use a CTA. It's like a use a learn more, for example that tends to send more traffic, like it entices more people to click, but it's not necessarily with intent. So if you're selling a product and use like a a, a buy button or whatever, and it sends sends, or a book now, it sends people over, you might get fewer people clicking that, but higher intent. Or if you remove the button entirely, it may seem less salesy and less pushy. And so once again, it's one of the levers you've, you've got to pull to decide.
1: That's an easy one to test, yeah.
0: right? Is is basically you know,
1: create two, two ad groups. One's got the button, one doesn't have the button, pretty much the same ad. Uh, run them side by side and see what yeah. happens. I mean, that,
0: that's the easiest way to do it. You can also do dynamic creative where basically select up to five different uh, buttons that you want to use and Facebook mis- mixes and matches. Yeah. In.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, John. That's one of the other things I wanted to ask you. Um one of the, the things that's changed a lot over the decade that you've been doing this is that is that Facebook's own capabilities to quote unquote auto optimize uh, your ads have of course gotten better and better and they can run a lot of uh, ads against one another and test and now dynamic creative where they kind of help you figure out what's the best creative, which in many cases is not what you would assume to be the best creative as a uh, marketing professional, which can be a little bit um, <laughs> shocking. But how much do you believe in that right I, I feel like I, I feel like there is this uh, sense amongst some marketers that yeah Facebook, thanks for auto optimizing this so I spend more money. Um, you obviously have run lots of experiments uh, how effective and successful do you feel you can be just sort of turning it over to Facebook and saying yeah y'all optimize this for me.
0: So uh, so it's, it's a matter of understanding how optimization works okay so, If you're using the defaults, uh, Facebook's going to get you the most actions that they can get at the lowest cost. That's the the lowest cost bidding. That's what that that means. And if you're selling something, trusting like Facebook, uh, deciding like what placement to show it in or who to show it to, like they're going to constantly be responding to how many purchases you get, which should be good. Like Facebook can react more. They've got more data than we will ever have or understand. Um, the problem becomes if you're optimizing for something that's lighter. So optimizing for traffic, optimizing for engagement, where Facebook doesn't care about quality. They just care about, oh, you wanted that click, I got you clicks. They're really cheap. They are that's what that's what you wanted. This is successful. So you see, oh, I got, you know, a, a thousand clicks for for a dollar. So this was must have been really, really successful. Whereas none of that stuff was valuable they, they immediately abandoned There were accidental clicks whatever facebook doesn't care uh, so those are the kind of things you got to watch out for uh, especially if, depending on the countries you're targeting uh, what placements you use because like audience network i can't stand audience network specifically for things like uh, optimization for engagement or clicks or traffic or anything like that where it's like accidental clicks i, I remember this happened to me personally My ad came up while I was playing a a game on my phone, and I clicked it by accident because it just popped up. Cost yourself some money, (laughs) and I I immediately abandoned my own ad and went back to the app. Like I did not mean to click that, and it's and like whenever in your ads manager, you'll see every once in a while you have been refunded, and it's usually it's just some Mm -hmm. tiny amount. Why? It's because of click fraud uh some some, something where people are breaking the breaking the the rules related to audience network and so so that that people are monetizing their apps to um with, with facebook ads so that's what's happening it's that you're not on a facebook property at the time facebook ads are on someone's someone else's app and they may use methods they may use click fraud they may use other methods to to make sure people are clicking um and then it leads to really misleading results if you don't start digging. So that's my biggest issue. Like I think there to a point you can you should trust Facebook optimization, but also understand how it works because you can get screwed over by it if you're not paying attention because that if you look at surface level numbers like oh, this was great, except yeah, none mm-hmm. of those people care about your product or brand.
1: Yeah, I think this idea too that that a click, is not a click is on a click right oh. there are, there are different levels of quality and you got to be tracking all the way through what your end goal is it's almost impossible that your actual goal is clicks, right? Right clicks is a, is a way station towards something you actually care about. And is it an important way station? Of course it is, but, but it's not uh, the business that you're in is not click aggregation. So you've got to have that kind of attribution modeling to say, all right, cool, but how many of those clicks actually yield money? Because if you don't do that, then you can be buying clicks um, that are never going to convert.
0: But there are a couple of things on that. First of all, we talked about different funnels uh, or different stages of funnel running ads. I'm running a campaign that's driving traffic, and I just checked the other day to see, um, just out of curiosity, how many other actions happened, even though all I was looking for was, was quality traffic. Um, I had spent like $450 on it and it resulted in 19 purchases. I wasn't even selling anything. These are just blog posts. So those are the things you have to remember. Uh, it's, it's quality traffic. So there are, there are ways to optimize for that too, but you have to be a little bit creative and a little bit more technical. Like I've got custom events on my website for time on a page. So you spend at least 60 seconds or if you scroll a certain amount, that's gonna fire an event so that way I can can, can have quality traffic as my objective ultimately, not just any old traffic. It's a conversion campaign optimized for like a 60-second visit. And then Facebook can optimize for that as opposed to optimizing just for a regular click. They'll they'll have to make sure that did it actually fire this 60-second event. So there are ways to do this. You just got to kind of understand how Facebook works and get a little creative.
1: John Loomer from John Loomer Digital, our guest this week on Social Pros. Go to his site, johnloomer.com. Take a look at his Power Hitters Club, Power Hitters Elite, if you want to uh, have access to the community and really level up your own Facebook ads expertise. John, last question for me before we get into the two big questions that we've asked everybody here on the uh, show going back to January 2012 when the podcast began. Today, what do you think is the best background for somebody who's going to run Facebook ads inside a company? Like, you know, what what is it? Is it somebody who's got a stats background, a creative background? Uh, I don't know. Like, what what do you think, if you're going to hire somebody, uh, as many of our listeners do, where would you look?
0: Uh, some, I think stats background helps. Uh, and, and a health, healthy dose, dose of curiosity. You know, someone who's, who wants to find an answer uh, who, who wants to dig, who, who wants to experiment. Uh, but obviously someone who knows what to do with those numbers, th- those results that come in, and uh, can, can analyze it. So, uh, I I'd be, I'd be a, a pretty evil person to say, you need to have specific, uh, you know, training because I had none. Uh, I was a philosophy major in in college. So um, I should not be a Facebook advertiser. But I'm also kind of a stats nerd. I love stats. I don't know what you put how you say that in a resume. But there you go. So it's a a matter of kind of, uh, it, it certainly helps, I guess, if you've got some formal training, but being a stats nerd who's curious is probably the best, the best characteristics.
1: Well, you're a stats nerd because you're a baseball nerd and Correct. baseball is the, is the stats game uh, for sure. Yeah. Friends, I just want to point out that if you're like, man, I'm really not doing what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. Um, just listen to John Loomer, who was a philosophy major and is now an advanced Facebook ads uh, genius. I was a political science major yeah. uh, and I'm not exactly doing a lot of politics right now either. So it's okay, friends. Uh, you'll be all right. It's also okay for John Loomer to answer the two questions oh, that we ask no. social pros. First, John, if you could give our audience one tip, somebody who's looking to become a social pro, what would you tell
0: them? Be yourself. I mean, I know that's kind of like a, a corny thing to say, but the, when I started this whole thing, um, and I wasn't standing out, my biggest goal was like, what what's what what is what is Mari doing? What is Amy Porterfield doing? What's Jay doing? Like, I I, I got to do what they're doing. You don't stand out when you're doing that. Like. Uh, you don't stand out until you actually have an opinion and you you, you tell your own story. Uh, I mean, again, it depends on what what kind of job you're looking to have in social pros, but being yourself and standing up for uh, what you believe in uh, is a good way to stand out. That's my advice. Great answer. Love that.
1: Last question for John Loomer. If you could do a video call with any living person, uh, who would it be? Robin Yount
0: of the wow, Look Wow, look at this old school baseball reference. Robin Yount, nice. So here's a, a little obscure fact uh, about me. Um, well, first of all, uh, you know, I'm a baseball nerd and I was uh, a Brewers fan and I am a Brewers fan. Back in 2011, so 10 years ago, I started the Twitter feed, Tweets from 1982. And what it did was ridiculous. Uh, it, the amount of work that went into this thing I retold the entire 1982 season in real time, as if it were happening today, based on research and newspapers and everything. Um and I actually finally wrapped it up a few days ago. So I retold the World Series and I gave it an alternate ending where the brewer's gonna win. <laughs> uh and then, but I actually built it last year, it actually went through that whole alternate ending. This year, I got right up to that point. I'm like, we're done. We're not going to do this again until the Brewers have an actual World Series winning championship season. But it, it was a, a blast to do. And obviously, I, have, I know a lot about that team in that season. I would love to talk to Robin Young.
1: I feel like you can make that happen at this point. I, I think <laughs> you've got, you got enough juice, man. You can get Robin, Robin Young on a Zoom call. You can do that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I could.
1: Or, or our community can friends. Yeah. Uh, if you're out there and uh, you know Robin Yount, uh, you know, Hall of Fame baseball player, Milwaukee Brewers uh, legend. Uh, uh, hook, hook a brother up. Get, uh, get John Loomer uh, on the phone. We'll get, we'll get whoever runs social for the Brewers there go. Uh, on the okay. show, and then we'll we'll make it happen. I, I feel like we can, uh, we can do that for you. That would be awesome. It's the least <laughs> we can do. John, thanks so much for being here. Congratulations on all the success of the last 10 years with John Loomer Digital. Uh, The amount of value that you deliver to your community is spectacular. Uh, Just just the blog itself is an absolute uh, must read, but take a look at his communities as well. You'll you'll get a lot smarter awful quick. Uh, We appreciate you being here, bud. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank
0: you so much, Anna, for having me. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah, we've enjoyed it very much. Uh, we will be back next week with another spectacular episode of what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world, the Social Pros Podcast. Don't forget, you can get show notes, uh, transcripts, links, all the all that jazz for every episode, nearly 500. Now go to socialprospodcast.com. On behalf of our sponsor, Salesforce, I'm Jay Bear from Convince & Convert. She's Anna Hurat from Convince & Convert. We'll see you next time here on Social Pros.